Who do you think you are? What's the essence that creates the idea of you? Are you a philosophical zombie whose eyes show that the lights are on but there seems to be no one home? Or are you a thinker who after a prolonged cogito came to the conclusion that therefore I am? Or are you an individual enmeshed in a much larger hive mind that we call society? That's what we're going to be talking about in today's Body Mind Empowerment Podcast. How to find some of the true aspects of yourself and how to escape the matrix of your mind. If you want to, if you want to support this podcast, then make sure you leave us a five-star review on iTunes and other social media platforms. You can also share it with a friend because word to mouth is the source of energy that's going to ascend this podcast into the stratosphere and it will also and it will also support the purpose of this show which is to educate and high performing high performing individuals to function and feel at body mind empowerment is about human life enhancement so it's definitely something you can apply into every area of your existence without further ado let's get on with today's show starting with the tip of the iceberg do you want to know what it is body mind empowerment get stronger faster smarter quicker friendlier more helpful more driven everything the body needs control your mind the tip of the iceberg the human mind is very much a mystery to us it has been used as a model for the iceberg the iceberg model is a tool for systems where you're thinking that's designed for understanding individual and group behavior. If you've never seen a real iceberg or a picture of it, then imagine a huge block of ice floating at sea with about 10 to 20% of it on the surface and the remaining 80% of it underneath water. The tip of the iceberg is your conscious self, your thoughts, your actions, your self-awareness. The subsurface part of the iceberg is the subconscious mind that comprises your beliefs, your blind spots, your cultural background, values, and everything you don't see right away. When you look at our individuality, let's say, from the perspective of this iceberg, then you will discover that what we see is what is happening. Events, tangible phenomena, incidents, and so on. What we don't see are the patterns of previous behavior, the structures and previous events that have influenced those patterns, and the mental models, the values, beliefs, and ideas that have built those structures. In order for the iceberg to remain afloat, it needs the majority of its mass to be underwater. The same is with our brain. We need to allocate most of our mental processes to the subconscious mind and autonomic nervous system. Constantly controlling your heartbeat and regulating hormones would be very strenuous and energy consuming. You don't think about digesting food or following your habits. You just do them because it's more efficient. The subconscious mind is referred to as the part of our brain where most of our unconscious and automatic decisions are made it's the iceberg. Our subconscious mind is one of our greatest tools but it can be also used as a weapon against us. It's a source of creativity, feelings, 
inspiration, emotions, and deep intuitive wisdom that can be very useful in making quick movements, dodging bullets, following your instinct and having light bulb ideas of genius. Simultaneously, it can be a source of hidden detriment in the form of negative self-talk, limiting beliefs, cognitive dissonance, addictions, and so many other things that will harm your empowerment. I don't know if you've seen the movie Titanic, but spoiler alert, the iceberg can be very dangerous for sinking ships, ruining personal relationships and creating toxic habits that will lead to, if not death, then disease and misery nonetheless. Most importantly, because of the way it's constructed, we more often than not fail to see how it affects us. That's why we want to become more conscious in our everyday lives, to be aware of what goes on inside us, our thoughts, and to be more aware about the things we do, our actions. What is the key component to making rapid progress in anything? Whether that be your fitness, knowledge, learning a language, relationships or business. How can you get the results you're after faster? I'm not going to tell you some secret productivity hack or magic supplement to take. Instead, I want you to focus on what really needs to happen to you as a person. Fact of the matter is that you can't stay the same. You have to change. The person who would be fit, the person who would be a millionaire and fluent in some language like Swahili would be different from the person you are right now. Your physiology, your habits, beliefs, and most importantly, the neural network of your brain would be different. But simply making a decision to change isn't enough. Going on a diet won't equal fat loss. Just being at the gym doesn't give you muscles. Starting a business won't guarantee you money. Studying a language won't guarantee you fluency. The rate of your progress depends on how conscious you are when doing all of those things. Deliberate practice means you're fully attentive with the activity you're engaged with. You're seeking to improve and are mindful of the changes you make. You have to notice the subtle idiosyncrasies and improvements you've made. You have to notice that your form in a barbell squat or a handstand has gotten better, that you can maintain more stability. You have to notice that you can formulate sentences more fluently and that you're capable of thinking in that language you're learning, whether that be Latin or Swahili. You have to notice that you experience less hesitation and procrastination when working on your business or approaching people you haven't met before. All those subtleties are minute, but they're highly important. You will get better at anything by going through sheer amounts of zombie repetitions the same way you can just treadmill yourself to fitness. But the key component to making real long-term growth that would stick is in your consciousness. Consciously acknowledge the decisions you've made, consciously register the improvements you're experiencing, and consciously recognize the person you've become. Consciously take the red pill. I hope you've seen the movie The Matrix, it looks fascinating, it has awesome fight scenes, meaningful plot and cool looking people. 
It talks about this regular guy, Neo, who is a computer hacker. One day, he starts receiving messages from an international super vigilante called Morpheus. After Neo decides to follow the White Rabbit, he meets Trinity, who takes him to Morpheus. Morpheus makes Neo an offer he can't refuse. He says, You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your beds and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. What most people fail to realize is that the Matrix and the story of Neo is the story of the individual. You are the one, but you're in a different stage of the journey than me or Neo. The term red pill refers to a human who is aware of the true nature of the Matrix. Taking the red pill is about becoming self-empowered and beginning the process towards your greatest self. It's the idea of the Illuminati Eye in the Pyramid. It involves extreme ownership over everything in your world, seeing behind your conditioning and becoming meta-aware. After you've taken the red pill, you realize that the person you thought yourself to currently be is nothing else but an illusion, a set of sub-egos and representations of your social mirror called the ego. Your cultural backgrounds, parentage, school, and all of your life's events have created the story of you. Have you ever wondered why you can't seem to drastically transform your life and make the changes you need to make? You can feel this immense potential within you, but there's something holding you down. The biggest source of your angst are your limiting beliefs, self-doubt and lack of discipline, but those things aren't necessarily a part of you. Humans are social creatures, we've been living in groups for hundreds and thousands of years. In fact, it's thought that social cooperation was one of the driving forces of our cognitive rampage and construction of society. That's true, our mind is adapted to recognizing subconscious signals from our other people. Our interactions are embedded by dozens of facial cues from our peers. Their gestures and postures, cultural messages or symbols and deeper meanings are supposed to help us understand each other better. One-on-one -on -one communication wasn't enough though. We created tribes, clans, cities, kingdoms, countries and international allegiances across the world. The key phenomenon is culture. There are many definitions for culture, but the late 19th century anthropologist Edward Tyler was one of the first to describe it in print. He said, Culture is that complex whole which includes knowledge, beliefs, arts, morals, law, customs, and any other capabilities and habits acquired by a human as a member of society. Culture is a way of living that promotes certain ideas and potentials about what's right or wrong and how an individual should behave. Culture surrounds us everywhere. The state, the city architecture, the arts, the military, the school. It can be found in companies, social media, online video games, forums, and even your own family traditions. Culture is the blueprint of thinking and behaving 
where you, the individual, are its canvas. Culture determines your values, your beliefs, what you think is correct and how you should behave. When it comes to your lifestyle, habits and mindset, then culture plays a huge role. Your circle of friends has a massive impact on who you become as a person, not because you lack congruency or personal uniqueness, but because you as an individual are constantly trying to fit into your social group. You're subconsciously trying to maintain good relations with the people you live, because back in the savannah it was detrimental for survival. If you'd been left alone or kicked out of the tribe, you would have most likely died. So you're constantly evaluating your position, your social status inside your group and are trying to either become more high status or to protect your current position there. What you eat, what you wear, what music you're listening to is all predicated by culture, whether that be your ethnic culture or the culture of your friends. They say that you're the average of the five people you're surrounded with, which is quite true, but yet again, not because you lack congruency, but because you're trying to fit in with your peers. You've probably been in a situation where you're trying to improve yourself. You start working out, eating right, reading, meditating, doing all these self-empowering activities. You're starting to gain momentum, but one of your friends goes like, what? You're, you're reading these self-help books? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to get better? Better than me? Are you saying that you becoming better means that I have to improve myself? Are you trying to go against the culture of our circle of friends? The clan, the tribe? And you stop. You revert back to your old habits because you becoming better would put you into the danger of becoming ostracized from your group. And the same can be seen in crabs as well. When you catch some crabs and put them in a bucket, then they're all jammed together. They're all in a huge trouble because most likely they're gonna die. Of course, every crab will start to fight for its own survival. They begin to climb out of the bucket and reach for the light. Individually, every crab could easily escape the bucket. They have claws and they can just pull themselves out of there. Collectively, they're all doomed. Because once some crab starts getting to the top, the other crabs pull it down. This is the crab mentality. Which in the context of your friends and peers, I'm going to change over to the crab culture. In human behavior, the same analogy applies. When some member of the group starts to succeed, when they're starting to become more high status, then the others will try to bring them down by giving hateful comments, talking behind their backs, saying, you've changed, and ridiculing them in front of the group. In animals, if you endanger the alpha male's position in the group, they will even go as far as kill you. So it's a constant battle of status. Your genes also affect the composition of your culture. Certain genes develop certain traits in individuals, which then transitions over to society as a whole. Traditional cuisine like sauerkraut, rice, 
drinking raw cow's milk or not eating pork has all been predicated by living in certain environments where you needed to eat in a certain way in order to survive. Therefore, you develop certain taste preferences and metabolic profiles and eating traditions. The people you're attracted to are also influenced by your genes. To be more liking towards those individuals who would benefit your already existing genetic makeup. Like Richard Dawkins said in the surface gene, us humans are nothing else but vessels for carrying on our genes throughout the generations. But he also introduced the idea of a cultural gene or a meme. A meme is a unit of cultural ideas, symbols, practices or beliefs that can be transitioned over from one mind to another mind through a range of cultural mediums such as writing, speech, rituals, traditions, teachings or the media. Like with biological genes, cultural memes replicate themselves and there's a constant process of natural selection happening there as well. Truth is, you as a person are a product of your environment. Your body and mind move themselves according to the conditioning they receive. If you exercise, you get fitter. If you read, you get smarter. It's simple. Unfortunately, that conditioning isn't always of your conscious choosing, but more often than not, it comes from the culture that you follow unconsciously. You've adopted certain beliefs and ideas into your iceberg model and have sank it deep underneath the surface. This is the matrix of society. The vast majority of people in the world are passive products of their culture. They have the same religious beliefs as their parents. They have the same political views as their parents. They get married to the first person they date with. They stay with the same friends ever since birth. And they're stuck inside the matrix without even knowing what it is. I'm not saying that there's anything particularly bad about it. Culture can be a great thing and traditions are a huge part of personal identity. But we must never become dogmatic about any ideologies, ways of doing things or holding onto past values. The world is changing and so does culture. You have to evolve and so does your culture. Steve Jobs has an amazing quote for this about how to leave a dent in the universe. It goes like this. When you grow up, you tend to get told that the world is the way it is and your life is just to live your life inside the world. Try not to bash into walls too much. Try to have a nice family, have fun, save a little money. That's a very limited life. Life can be much broader once you discover one simple fact. Everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. Once you learn that, you'll never be the same again. Taking the red pill means that you realize the person you've been living currently is a social construct. It's been created because of your conditioning, how your parents have taught you, how they had been taught by their culture, 
what your parents told you about your personality, what kind of relationships you've had with your friends, and what kind of personal interpretations you've made about who you are based on those interactions. And getting out of the matrix involves you realizing that you can be anyone, you can learn any skill, you can be whatever you like, and you can accomplish anything. You are the one. In the movie, Neo took the red pill, but at first he didn't really believe in his abilities until he went through some massive revelations and challenges. If you haven't seen the movie then cover your eyes and ears because I'm going to give you another massive spoiler. SPOILER ALERT! Neo gets shot by Agent Smith. He dies, but because he loves Trinity and because he has the rest of humanity to rescue, he gets resurrected. He has a greater purpose to fulfill that's beyond his ego. It's an apotheosis, a metaphorical death and resurrection in which the old version of him dies and he gets reborn into the more powerful version of himself. What really happens is that Neo, the hero of the story, he kills his own ego. Neo realizes that he indeed is the one, that he has the power to change, to transform and become seemingly omnipotent. It was just a shift in mindset and belief, a small reprogramming of the mind that can happen to anyone. Now let me tell you how to actually make it so. How to upgrade your mental operating system. Our brain is just a massive database that brings together our embodied experience in the world. The mind is a unique piece of software that functions like our operating system on a computer. It gives us certain frameworks in the form of beliefs. It determines our user experience through our perceptions and attitude. It influences our physical being with its psychological condition, and it directs our behavior towards our systems of goals. We're more akin to doing the things that give us pleasure and avoid those that don't satisfy us that much. Unfortunately, human beings have an age-old mental software dating back to thousands of years. If you haven't heard about it already, then it's the Trion Brain Module, with the basal ganglia being the reptilian brain, the limbic system being the monkey mind, and the prefrontal cortex being the human brain. Our mind is suited best for living in an environment where food is scarce and danger lurking around every corner. The reptilian complex influences your taste preferences and the desire to protect yourself. The monkey mind is where you store memories. It's the one that keeps making you get distracted and procrastinate. With the advancement of civilization and technology, we're experiencing a massive evolutionary time lag. We're like monkeys inside a spaceship. And oh shit, we actually are. But like with most computers, the software can be replaced and upgraded to a much more suitable version. We can change our beliefs, shift our paradigms, set different goals and redirect our focus. How do you change your mental operating system? By upgrading your mind and enhancing your mindset. First, you have to look at your old software. What beliefs do you hold? 
What values do you have? What do you focus the most in life? What goals do you have? Secondly, you make a decision to swap out those old applications or memes and download new ones or at least upgrade them to the 2.0 version. If you make a decision that's powerful enough or that gives you big enough of a reason to change, you have a much greater chance of actually changing. It's always a question of why. Why are you doing it? Which one do you feel more attracted towards? Your current mental operating system or the one you want to upgrade to? Neither is particularly right or wrong. It's just that, like Friedrich Nietzsche said, with a big enough of a why, any how becomes possible. You have to start with finding your why, the reason you want to become self-empowered. One thing to keep in mind here is that when I'm talking about upgrading your mental software, then I mean overcoming your limiting beliefs, shifting your paradigms, looking at your cognitive biases, challenging your own behavior and the intentions behind your actions. It's about creating an extraordinary mind that's seeking a meta perspective and is able to detach itself from its own narrow perception. Let's start off with the foundational building blocks we perceive the world with, our beliefs and values. Every decision we make is determined by what we believe and what we hold dear. Our beliefs determine what we think is possible, how we think the world works, and what outcomes we hope our actions will give us. If you believe that money is the root cause of all evil, then you will unconsciously self-sabotage yourself to earn less and judge rich people. You will start to procrastinate when starting your own business, or you will revert back to your crap friends at work when trying to get a promotion or a raise. The reason you think making money is inherently bad or it's associated with greater pain in the future. Being poor involves less pain and uncertainty because it's something you're familiar with at the moment. If you believe that no matter what you do, you'll never get fit and lose fat, you'll reinforce your own bias towards not exercising as hard and deliberately eating more food than you should. Or if you're trying to gain weight, then you'll eat less. You'll finish your lifting sessions sooner than your muscles could handle and you'll treat yourself with an extra scoop of ice cream because why not? You don't believe that you could achieve your goals anyway, so why not? Our beliefs and values are interdependent. We believe in what we hold to be dear and we value what we believe to be true. I'll repeat that. We believe in what we hold to be dear and we value what we believe to be true. That is just profound. If there's something you remember from this episode, then it should be this. Don't look for being right. Look for the truth. Don't try to be certain of anything because that would entail you've already made up your mind. Instead, go where it is uncomfortable for your mind to accept new ideas and challenge them constantly. This is where most people revert back to their old dogmas because they prefer to go back into their delusions and lies. That's when Cypher in the Matrix said, Ignorance is bliss. 
he wanted to erase the memory of having ever awakened to the system so that he could keep living an illusion. What creates beliefs? Beliefs get created through our perceived understanding about ourselves and how do we think the world works. We can either gain knowledge from the minds of other people, which include our parents, our friends, our culture, or from our own reference experience, which is us actually pushing ourselves at the gym and making gains or starting to earn some cash from our business. And the medium for communicating that knowledge is language. Language is thought to be uniquely human and it's the most powerful faculty of social cooperation. What's more, language directly influences the way we perceive the physical world. Did you know that the Eskimo have 50 words for snow? I thought it was just white, but no, apparently snow has many different shadings of grey and various meanings in different contexts. The Eskimo literally see different things in the physical world because the language of their culture has transformed the way they perceive the snow. What it means is that you have to change your language. The words you use to describe yourself, the phrases you hear in your mind, and the stories you tell yourself. We tell stories. Culture and societies tell stories in the form of myths and legends so that the future generations would know how to survive the chaos of the natural world, how to fight dragons, how to make friends, and how to find treasures. We as individuals tell stories to ourselves that would reinforce our beliefs, our habits, and traits. Your mind, it doesn't want to go into conflict with itself. It wants to fit into a paradigm that's familiar to you and others around you. Ignorance is bliss. Even if it's not safe and causes suffering, you want to stay the same because that's what you can be certain of. If everything else turns to shit, then I'll at least have my bad habits limiting self-talk and fears. Ignorance is indeed bliss. Changing yourself begins with changing the story you tell yourself about who you think you are, how other people see you, what is possible and supposed to happen. You have to own your thoughts, actions, emotions, beliefs, fears, intentions, habits, responsibilities, mistakes, flaws, everything. So this is the first paradigm shift you need to make if wanting to get out of the matrix. The second component to upgrading your mental operating system is more physical with some real tangible potential. I'm going to throw another concept at you which you might have heard of before. Neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity basically refers to your brain's ability to change and restructure its neural networks. The most commonly used phrase to describe it is the Hebb's rule, named after Donald Hebb. He said, neurons that fire together, wire together. Neurons that fail to link, fire out of sync. What it will tell you is that you can restructure your brain and change its faculties any way you like. Focus, procrastination, working hard, laziness, love, positive thinking, discipline, and every other mental activity is a pattern. A neural pattern of thinking and acting in response to that. They're the two things that truly belong to you. You lack concentration, willpower, compassion, or commitment 
because you've hardwired your brain to walk certain pathways or to tell certain stories. You are your neural patterns. Neuroplasticity is a dynamic process that happens constantly with every decision you make. Meaning, every time you check your Facebook messages while trying to study, you're reinforcing the habit to keep doing it in the future. Every time you give in to temptation and eat the marshmallow, you're teaching yourself that it's okay to break. Every time you push yourself hard in the gym, you're developing stronger willpower and tolerance for discomfort. Every time you focus your entire attention on one single activity at a time, you're making and you're honing your concentration and dedication. Every time you become more conscious about yourself during the day, you're more likely to repeat it in that same situation, which can then potentially carry over to other situations as well. So how do you replace your neural networks? Let's take an example. You want to overcome laziness? You have to rewire your brain. Start replacing the habit of laziness and procrastination by mindfully, consciously attempting to improve it. It feels uncomfortable because you're literally ripping apart your neural patterns. Another issue is that habits are hard to break. The key is becoming more mindful and aware in general. To actually notice yourself during the day and not being on autopilot all the time. By default, you think that you are just the way you are and that's it. But in reality, your personality is just a reflection of your environment and life events, the matrix. Understanding this, that your characteristics and qualities are not set in stone and accepting that they're like programs running in your mind allows you to detach yourself from them. It's the same realization that Neo had about being the one. To rewrite your stories, you have to look at them from a meta perspective, like a real writer. It requires you to distance yourself from the text and make your adjustments to it. So how do you do it? First, it starts with making a decision, taking full responsibility for your actions and deciding to commit to change. I mean, if you want it bad enough, then you would do it anyway, no matter what. Two, identify the programs you want to or need to change. Three, become conscious of you exhibiting these programs. Four, then you implement change. You start doing the activities that allow you to become the person you want to be. If you want to be lazy, then be lazy. But if you want to be a hard worker, then you have to work hard. 5. Recognize your habit loop. What is triggering you into your old behavior? When do you start doubting yourself? When you start procrastinating? Or when do you start eating the marshmallow? 6. Implement the new pieces into the story. Really write out what changes do you want to make in your personality, your habits and your conditioning. This puts it out there on the paper, a real thing that's not just inside your head. You can see it as an external object, as if you're the eye in the pyramid. Number 7. Consistency is crucial. The more often you do something, the more it gets engraved into your brain. Repeated actions 
will lead to the same repeated outcomes. You have to keep going through the same positive story you want to tell yourself over and over again. Number 8. Be mindful of change. This is the last one. A great tip is to actually notice yourself making improvements and breaking bad habits. Every time you manage to work without getting distracted, without grabbing for junk food, or when you have a breakthrough, you have to congratulate yourself and you have to keep going. Realize that it's a matter of choices all around. What activities you choose to do on a daily basis, how you choose to structure your neural networks, who are the people you choose to surround yourself with, and who you choose to become as a result of that. Your stories make up who you are, but they're not predetermined. They're based on past experiences and your perceptions of your life events. But you are the author, you're the one. You're the one who can take full responsibility over the things that have happened to you and you can choose to become something different. That's it on how to escape the matrix of your mind. Realizing that you as a person are made of the stories you tell yourself, the ideas you have of yourself based on your position in the social hierarchy, your interactions with other minds, and the beliefs about what's possible and who you are. Upgrading your mental operating system starts with changing your beliefs and stories. Having an extraordinary self-empowered mindset is achieved by taking the red pill and realizing you are the one. That you can be anyone, you can do anything, learn any skill, accomplish anything, anywhere with anyone, and that it's just a pattern. It's a neural pattern mostly. These are some more things to think about every day, I know I am, but what these things tell you is that you're actually more free than you realize. It's liberating to take the red pill and seek the truth. It's joy, excitement and empowerment. Once you wake up, you, you never want to go back to sleep again. I'm sure you found some good advice on how to escape the matrix of your mind, or at least you gained some more insight into this. If you know someone else who could use this information, then share this podcast with them because you'll be doing yourself and them a huge service. To support this podcast, leave us a review and follow us on social. Other than that, thanks for listening. My name is Seem Lund. Stay empowered.